When you are not a native English speaker like I am, you might feel um, not comfortable teaching in English or you might be reluctant to really start an international yoga business. You are so not alone with that. Words get lost in translation or don't fully reflect what you really want to say. Sometimes you don't know the word at all. And especially when teaching yoga, it may make you worry people don't understand you. Um, but there's help on the way, my friend. In this episode, I'm talking to Annie Dunhoff, founder of Eng Unite. She's an English teacher and yoga teacher. Annie speaks and teaches in several languages and knows exactly what it feels like to not be fully comfortable with your personality in every language. At Enga, Annie helps multilingual yoga teachers become a knowledgeable and inclusive teacher so that you can share your passion, teach yoga and English with confidence, and get access to jobs and business opportunities worldwide. Because not having English as your first language, it should be a strength, not a weakness. I also ask Annie about her online business, how she gets started, what she's doing to grow it, her strategy. So we're having a really interesting conversation. I can't wait for you to meet her. So let's dive in. Hey there, welcome to the Blissful Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Susanna Riker, here to help yoga and wellness entrepreneurs build a thriving online business. If you're ready to make a bigger impact and earn money online, you are in the right place. Each week you learn about websites, digital products, social media strategies, and what's working now to build your online business. And now let's get started. Hi, Annie. Welcome to the Blissful Biz podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. So why don't you introduce yourself and tell our listeners what you do, exactly where you're from, all the things. All the things. <laughs> so um, I, my name is Annie. I am the founder of Enga Unite, which is an online learning platform for multilingual yoga teachers. So people that do not speak English as their first language and we help them cultivate and develop the, the skills and the, the tools that they need to actually start teaching yoga in English so that they can have or start an international yoga career. Um, I'm, I was born in the Netherlands and traveled a lot, practiced a lot of yoga, traveled around the world and actually moved back here three months ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> a little bit of getting used to after 10 years or 11 years being away, but enjoying it so far. It's so interesting. I mean, we're both pretty similar there, right? So because we both speak English as a second language, I am from Germany. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I started my business when I was living in Bali and had no plans to move back to Germany. And here I am. <laughs> so I'm in Hamburg right now. Yeah. Exactly. It's funny how those things, you often meet people that have a lot of things that are happening at the same time. And I see this a lot in the yoga industry where you connect with people and suddenly it seems like you've got so much in common. So yeah, great example of that. 
<laughs> and I get asked that question a lot from people. How do you choose what language should you use in your business? And so sometimes you know, like they are from Germany or from the Netherlands or from Sweden. And um, and then they did the yoga teacher training somewhere um, in English. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So right, and all, all, all their trainings, and it feels like weird for them to teach in their mother language because they don't probably don't. I wouldn't even know many expressions that you use when you would teach yoga in German. Yeah, yeah. I where think- do you start there? So where do you start? Actually, let's just start with your business. <laughs> sure. uh, how did you come up with your niche, and um, where? What would you? What your advice be for someone like that? Yeah. Um, right. I, I hear a lot of questions. I'm yeah, just, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm very confusing. <laughs> I, I just listened to myself. I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Get excited about the topic. <laughs> so I found my niche because I, I was traveling and I wanted to keep tra- traveling and I didn't really know yet how to do that while doing something that really fulfilled, fulfilled me. So I was working in hospitality, doing lots of like working holiday visas in different places. And I thought if I become an English teacher or a yoga teacher, I can keep doing that and keep going to different places, meet different people and cultures and just explore. And I chose to be an English teacher first because I thought it gave me a more uh, security in that sense, because there's always jobs for English teachers. But then the feeling of wanting to teach yoga as well really kept with me. And I thought maybe I should just do that as well. So became an English teacher, then became a yoga teacher and started teaching the people that I had in my English classes yoga. And I realized that what I told them in English wasn't the same as what they needed for their yoga classes. Because in a general English class, you prepare for exams or you learn how to order a coffee or how to get your way around at the train station, stuff like that. But it's not the language that you need for a yoga class. So I wrote an English for yoga course. And when we launched that course, we only had yoga teachers joining us. So I switched and I changed everything, rewritten the course, and then came up with English for Yoga teachers instead. I love that. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's so easy to get lost in translation and come up and you say things that are really funny. And actually, I remember I did that in one of the in one of my teacher trainings. I think I said something like lower um your breasts or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> And everybody was laughing. <laughs> yeah, well, this has to do with pronunciation. And there are a lot of terms and expressions that get lost in translation, especially in yoga, because it can get really metaphorical or philosophical. Um, but yeah, pronouncing things funnily, that's only part of the journey and of our accents and the way that we are used to pronouncing things in our own language. I believe it only brings humor into the class and also shows that you have the courage to actually speak and communicate in another language that's not your own. So I would say it's courage and something to make fun of in a in like laugh at in a, in a funny way rather than to be embarrassed about. Do you really see, um, is it like 
the biggest motivation that people think they have a bigger market right away because that's why they want to teach in English or what drives them? Yeah, I think that's one of the things because obviously English is a world language and it's spoken everywhere. Wherever you go, there will always be people that you can communicate with in English. Um, <clears throat> for that reason, your market is bigger. The other thing is that people want to travel. And often the people that we work with come from Germany or from Spanish-speaking countries, Italian, France, and they can't communicate or teach you that in that language, in the places that they do want to teach. The other thing is online, because a lot of people want to start teaching online. And the language that we use online as well is English. So I think... There are several reasons and very personal, depending on the goals you have or the purpose of your classes or the, the students that you work with. But expanding your market is a big one. Yeah, and I think it's super smart and to really then realize that um, learning how to teach better in English, uh, I think it can be like a confidence burst for people, right? When they they yeah. don't worry about that anymore. So they can worry about selling and other things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think one of the, the biggest fears for people starting to teach in English when it's not their first language is actually making yourself heard and understood because people fear pronunciation or maybe doubt their accent Maybe they feel like they don't know all the words or how to express themselves the way that they would in their first language. But those are things that you can learn and develop and overcome. Um, and from there, it will give you that confidence boost like you're speaking about because you can see while, while you go through the process that you're capable and that you are capable as well of helping even more people around the world. How long does it take most people? I mean, everybody starts at a different level, obviously. Yeah. As well. So do you have like courses for different levels? How long are they? How long do yeah. people practice with you? It's very personal. It depends completely on the level of English that they have when they start, but also their experience with yoga and teaching it. So... I have several courses. One of them is three days just to overcome the fierce fears and the limiting beliefs and start uh, looking at the things that you want to do in your career and become very focused and intentional with the steps that you're taking. And then the second course is five days, which really boosts your vocabulary. So all the things that you need to know in a yoga class, focusing on the verbs, adjectives, uh, the body parts generally, um, prepositions, movements of direction and language to really make yourself clear in an instructional way. And then we have the biggest course, which is four to six months. Um, we've run, ran it for six months before, but I thought it was a little bit long to actually keep everyone engaged. So now it's four months and it's very intensive because we've got weekly conversation classes and teaching practices. And then four weekends in which we completely focus on teaching skills and business, because the reason that you're doing this is to actually start teaching worldwide. So also have a look at that. But I think immersion is what is what is most important, because for most people, especially if you, <coughs> excuse me, especially if you live in Germany, 
there's not a lot of exposure around you to the language and being surrounded by people that go through the same process, have the same questions, are very similar goals, really motivates and holds you accountable. So I would say the whole journey, maybe on average, depending on the level that you have in your experience, would be six months. That's amazing. And I also love how you're really building up on things like, you know, like, so, I mean, I also talk a lot about building an online business. So um, let me ask you some questions about that. Uh, what did you start with? What was your first product? And did you have like that product suit already planned out or how did it develop? Um, well, I started with the English for Yoga course. And that was in person. So this was before the pandemic. I did this in studios. Um, and from there, I started looking at the market and what was needed and really listened to, the, to my students and analyzed their journeys, analyzed their styles and came up with processes that they all go through. So I recognized that most of them don't have an intention or a purpose. They don't know really what they want to do. So that then became a first step. Um, and then, like I said, the other steps afterwards, so it's a process. And how I came up with the products, I think just by listening to the needs, listening to the needs of the people that came to the courses and do something with that to really make it personal and effective for them. Do you have a process for that in place, like a survey at the end, or how do you gather that feedback? Um, so we have a Facebook group. And I constantly ask questions. <laughs> okay, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I so it's post like, Is it like one Facebook group for all your students or is it like... Yeah, we've got a few Facebook groups. One is public, so it's to everyone in the community and it's what's for people that haven't yet invested in anything yet. Then we've got a Facebook group for people that go through the first course, through the second one and through the third. And you will see that most of the groups actually have the same students um, for the first and the third, the second and the third. Then, yeah, so I ask questions. A lot of them have private classes, so we get a lot of information from them there. Then we, um, we usually once a year, I create a very big and detailed survey and send it to about 15 to 20 people that I would consider ideal students. And completely focus on what they uh, tell me. Because usually it's very similar. They have very similar needs. Yeah, that's amazing. I love it that you really um, focus so much on what your students are telling you and what are really their problems and then come up with the solutions for that. And it's apparently working. <laughs> so Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, <clears throat> So I'm guessing your business, everything you do is in English as well. So from the beginning on, did you always have your business in English? Have you ever thought about doing it in Dutch or in another language? Or Yeah, it's funny because recently I've been asked this question a lot. And behind the scenes, we are working on a Spanish version of the English for Yoga course. It's then Spanish for Yoga or Espanol para Yoga. Um, and I've never thought of doing it in Dutch because the Dutch market is very small. And usually people that want to teach in Dutch, 
they either have done the teacher training already in Dutch or they um, they speak it fluently. So it's not as big of a market, but Spanish is a big one. German could, could be because there's a lot of German-speaking countries too. But that's all on the horizon, working on it behind the scenes. <laughs> but definitely thinking of expanding it. I love it. Now, in Germany, most people would want their teachers to speak German. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But you have like, I, I, even in Hamburg, which is like the second biggest city in Germany, there may be a handful of English language yoga classes that you can find. Yeah. Um, it's really most, like 99% is probably in German. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. And this happens in a lot of countries. In Spain, mm -hmm. it's the same. In Italy, in Greece, in, um, well, actually all of the people that we've been working with so far said the same thing. And that's why it's so important that if you want to travel or if you want to teach online, you have also the skill to teach in English. Yeah, definitely. What is the biggest struggle people are having when it comes to teaching in English? Self-doubt. <laughs> Self-doubt. I think it's a fear of the, their accent or making mistakes, fear of failure as well. Competition. And I think that's for any type of business. A lot of people fear that the market is too saturated and there's no room for them. Um, and in terms of the language, it's the exposure that they have. So they, I, I see that a lot of people actually have the knowledge but they haven't had the, the practices or the opportunities to actually practice what they know. And this is what we practice in yoga. You can only teach what you have been experiencing and what you've been going through and processed and completely embody. And it's the same when you want to do that in English. But if you don't have those opportunities to practice, it can be a very big challenge. Yeah, I can imagine that it's really... Um difficult so i've done my yoga teacher training in bali and practiced a lot there and you have a lot of teachers there from all over the world so a lot of people who have an accent so it feels normal mm -hmm. right so i can imagine when you are somewhere like in the uk maybe not in london somewhere else that and everybody is native a native english speaker is more challenging probably though mm -hmm. probably yeah it's just like mindset blocks and that those fears we are not good enough um people might be confused they might not like that yeah um, that are holding us back yeah it is that but i think as well that it's such a sign of bravery to put yourself out there and show that you have the type of compassion and the willingness and the drive to make yourself be able to speak with another person that doesn't speak your language to communicate. And I think um, a lot of people, it's underestimated how patient and how kind they are when you are thinking of your words or maybe don't know the words or make a mistake and, and um, how much they actually want, want to help you. So I think overcoming that fear helps by looking at the positive sides of it. And giving yourself credit for actually doing this and getting yourself out there. And um, also thinking of the fact that as a yoga teacher, it's something really authentic to you to have an accent. Because people might be able to recognize you for it and probably love it because it's different from all native speakers. 
Uh, yeah, probably, maybe. I don't know. Some people told me that as well. So I know that um, I thought about starting my podcast for at least a year before I actually started it because yeah. I was, yeah, of course, I was scared or oh, doing it in English and who would want to listen to my funny German accent or um, – and now I love it, right? So I love the connections. I love all the interviews that I get to do. And um, I also love speaking English. I really love the language and I read everything in English. I watch all the movies and TVs in English. Um, but sometimes I wish I would have like the sexy French accent. One of my students, <laughs> she's French and I could just listen to her for hours. <laughs> But you know what? I think we always want what we can't have. Or yeah. what we can't have. If you have straight hair, you want curls. If you have curls, you want straight hair. And it's the same with accent. This French person might think the same of your accent. I wish I could speak with no, a no, German. No, they never do that. They never do ah. that. <laughs> they know they have the best accent. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's personal. I really love all accents and it brings a lot of personality into the room but also different experiences because your culture has different uses or they speak about things differently and especially in first example Spanish speakers they are very poetic and they have a really great metaphors when they teach in Spanish they can translate that to English and use it in their classes as well and I think it brings a whole new dimension into the mm. yoga class. Hey, that's a beautiful thought. Yes, I love that. Yeah. I can imagine. Also, maybe with the Nordic languages, because they, or the French who speak so much and so fast. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's, I mean, I love um, having an international community. That's one of my favorite aspects of having an international business like running my business in English, that I have students and clients really from all over the world. Mm -hmm. Like right now in my um, Blissful Bliss Incubator, we have people, yeah, obviously from the US, from Canada, but also from Norway, um, Switzerland, Italy, France, um, Germany, Australia, and um, Czechoslovakia, everywhere. And I love that so much. Yeah, it's beautiful. I really think it's such a value to be able to bring all these people together and hear about their experiences and be able to share that with each other and inspire each other. It's It really brings a lot of value into the markets or the fields of yoga. Yeah. And we always say we want to make a bigger impact or make the world a better place. And then yeah. a lot of us just focus on our little bubble. Mm -hmm. So I'm also thinking, how can I maybe help yoga teachers in more developing countries or create different offers? So because obviously it's a different economical market. Yeah. And most of them aren't able to afford my offers. So, but I still am thinking about um, how could I give back or work with them still in a way. I'm not at a state in my business where I can just give back and I'm not talking about scholarships. Or, you know, like, or charity, because that's different. Um, mm -hmm. but really give them the opportunity to invest in their business, to invest in their growth. Um, it's still possible. It's still being possible for them to do that, to take that step. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I do think that scholarships can bring a lot of opportunities for these type of people. 
Um, you could even create funds so that people maybe donate yeah. and help pay for courses like that. That might be a way, but I feel like, um, because I've seen that myself and I know it from myself, when you invest into something, you are just more committed yeah. to do the work. So that's why when you get something for free or for a really low price, you're just not going to do the work. And I, you know, like, I, I want to work with people who are really committed. And mm -hmm. yeah, but it sh still should be possible for them. So that's like the challenge right now and trying to figure yeah. out and thinking about um, every time I did, when I did like um, a giveaway and one time I gave away um, a website design. Mm -hmm. And that girl, after a while of working together, she totally ghosted me. She never sent in her copy. It's like, <laughs> yeah, there was no commitment because it was free for her. Mm -hmm. And she didn't honor my time. So it was like, hmm, I don't want to do that again. No, I understand that. I think it's the same with giving away things for free. Um, But when I look at people that, for example, in our community, we have people that come join us from Argentina or Venezuela, and the economy simply isn't the same there. Yes. So if we offer a scholarship to them and they pay $25 instead of $100, it's still a lot of money for them. So they're still investing, not the same as people that can afford the full yeah. price for it. But for them, it's an investment. So I think that could be an option. Yeah, a scholarship where it's just a reduced price. It's not Excellent. nothing. And then they apply for that. Yeah. yeah. You have to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> you set that up even for your low-priced offers? like a Sorry? Say that you again? set up a scholarship even for online courses that only cost like $100 or $200? Or? Um, sometimes we do. Oh, if people really can't afford it. Like we've, because we have so many different cultures in the community of, and especially countries where the economy is so different than it is in Europe. And for me, it's really important that these people have a chance on developing. And they obviously, they apply. They have to give us a lot of information. It's not like every single person will get it. But I do want to make those um options available to people because I know that if they have the opportunity to do a course like we offer, they will be able to spread yoga with their communities and travel and go through places that we wouldn't be able to reach otherwise either. Yeah, love that. Um, actually, the, yeah, the, um, so how many people do you have now teaching? Is it just you or do you have like coaches to support you as well? Um, at the moment, I'm teaching myself. I work with another English teacher that helps me like improving the curriculum we've got everything set up but once in a while we update everything and behind the scenes i do have a team because having a business is not possible to do everything by yourself all the time but the teaching and coaching part is all my job wow and the um, selling part so how do you find new customers what do you do there um so we've created a funnel and people usually start with a quiz and then from the quiz they are taken to a landing page where they um they can uh, look for different things so we've got a quiz that tests your level of english and this is all free still there's an english level test then i've got 10 tips for yoga teachers video series and we have seven-day mini course 
And all of those things are free so that they can understand what we're all about and see where the right fits, if it's something that they want to use or is useful for them. And from there, through email marketing and in the Facebook group and weekly events in face on Facebook and Instagram, we build more trust and connection and the and eventually, they may or may not take the courses. And how do you market your freebies? Do you use Facebook ads or do you create content? Um, at the moment, we are running Facebook ads because we have the summit coming up. Yeah. <clears throat> and for that, we are attracting a lot of new people. But usually throughout the year, it's not really marketing in terms of ads, but a lot of, lots of email and showing up, showing up online using hashtags, being visible, loads of collaborations. I collaborate at least twice a week. Wow. So we <laughs> always are in contact with people and being seen in different places. Um, blog posts, Pinterest, people search for things in SEO and on Google. So that really where it works. So yes, yeah, I think showing up, being visible is the biggest thing. Yeah, I think so too. And just like showing up and being consistent with yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that you also mentioned collaborations because and blog posts, like all those different things that you have in your marketing toolkit to generate traffic, which is a lot of work for everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So a lot of people think still, I just create my offer and I put it out there and people will find it. And unfortunately not <laughs> unfortunately we all wish that would be true but unfortunately not yes so it takes a lot of um putting yourself out there and yeah, going yeah. Like that. so you mentioned your summit tell us more about that yeah i'm really really excited about this um it's the international yoga teacher summit and it happens from the 19th to the 21st of august in 2022 We are planning to do it on a yearly basis, but this is the first one. And it really aims at helping people that either have just finished yoga teacher training, don't really know what to do, or people that have been working at different studios but want to expand, or people that um, want to start traveling abroad and set up their international career. So there's a lot of business advice, but also on communication and your language development to create your CV or to get hired by a retreat center or to actually teach yoga in English and do that with confidence. So we're joined by about 20 other teachers and everyone will bring something to the table that um, has worked for them in their career, either finding their voice as an international yoga teacher or creating their business. Yeah, you have amazing guests. It sounds really great. So when you're listening to this episode, when it comes out, you can still join, check it out. We're going to add the link to the show notes. Can you also tell us so what's, um, where can people sign up for it? Absolutely. So it's on our website, engaunite.com and then slash international slash yoga slash teacher slash no it's not slash it's dashes <laughs> the little lot okay <laughs> dashes but it's the internet if you go to the website angerunite.com you will see it okay i was like that sounds complicated <laughs> yeah and on instagram like on every social media platform we use the same name so if you search for anywhere on Enga Unite, then you will find it and you find it in the show notes of course 
Yeah. Well, and it was so nice to meet you and to learn more about your business and what you do. I think it's amazing. It's helping so many people. And I'm just wishing you all the best with it. Thank you so much. And same for you. I really love what you do. And I think it's super valuable. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blissful Biz Podcast. If you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. This would mean the world to me. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to never miss a new episode. To learn more about how to work with me one-on-one, my courses and membership, or to get instant access to freebies, workshops, and more, go to susannoreika.com right now. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.